team. Great time of worship. Uh, we are moving into week five of uh, our series on uh, servant-hearted and servanthood. Um, and uh, it's me. <laughs> and we're, we're looking at the alabaster jar. I brought that down, I can't fit it on. Just put that there. So, when I've looked at this, um, there are three, there are th well, there's, there's more than three, but we're going to look at the three, three Gospels where uh, this is uh, about the alabaster jar. It's coming up on the screen, and you can find it on your Bibles or on your phones or your iPads or whatever digital device you use. Okay, so John chapter 12, starting in verse 6. And uh, most of these scriptures are headed, Jesus was anointed at Bethany. So it gives us a place, and it's talking about the fact that he's anointed. So it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where, Jesus, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And so they gave a dinner there for him, there. And uh, Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, he was the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said, because, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used it to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone, so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Then we flick to Matthew, verse 26. Uh, we're reading from each of these three Gospels because sometimes it's really helpful to see it from a 360 view. Do you get what I mean? Okay. So Matthew 26, starting at verse 6. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing for me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And finally, Mark chapter 14. You're going to really know this story. <laughs> and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, he was reclining at the table. And a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard very costly and she broke the flask and poured it over his head and there someone who said to themselves indignantly why was the ointment wasted like that 
for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing. For you have always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. When it comes to the details of the anointing of Jesus in Bethany, accounts vary. Matthew and Mark describe uh, an unnamed woman from Bethany who, while Jesus dined in the home of Simon the leper, just days before his death, anoints his head with expensive ointment to the annoyance of the disciples at the table who grumble that her offering might be better spent on the poor. John identifies the woman as Mary from Bethany, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, who bathes Jesus' feet in perfume and wipes them with her hair. In John's account, it's Judas who chastises Mary for her waist. Luke writes of a woman of the city who was a sinner, who bathes Jesus' feet in a mixture of perfume and tears, wiping his feet with her hair and kissing them with her lips. In this story, a Pharisee condemns her, noting that if this man were a prophet, as in Jesus, he would have known who and what sort of woman it was who was touching him because she was a sinner. Whether these accounts represent one event, two events, or three, it's been the subject of speculation for centuries. But the account most commonly held as correct is that of Matthew, Mark, and John, which is the ones that we've just read. So first of all, I've got three points. First one is recognition. As we look at John chapter 12, we consider that although there appears to be a debate over the identity of the woman and her background, what we do see is an individual who recognizes Jesus. She's heard and seen of Jesus. She knew of his miracles, his kindness, and his grace. Many had heard and the, this woman, Mary from Bethany, the place where Jesus had been received, the place where he chose to spend his last week on earth, Mary recognized Jesus as Lord, as God, her father. And the kingdom that she'd heard him speak of was the kingdom that she wanted to be part of. The other thing that Mary recognized was her own state. She wasn't comparing herself to others. There were many arguments about this woman's sinfulness, about her state of ill repute, 
And some commentators state that the disciples were overly harsh of this woman. You know, that really isn't important. What is actually important is that when you measure yourself next to Jesus, not one of us measures up. I don't know any of you that have children, but whenever they're measuring what the deeds that they have or have not done, be they right or wrong, generally they measure themselves against somebody, and we do it as adults, we measure ourselves against somebody that is probably of equal, don't we? So we don't come out quite so bad. Is that right? Yes, but uh, she's done so and so and so and so, or he's done so and so and so and so. But we're not comparing ourselves with an equal. This woman understood that she was considered recognizing her state in comparison to the state of Jesus, the King of Kings. Prior to her arrival at the house of Bethany, which had already made decisions, she decided to use the jar of alabaster perfume, a valuable item, possibly her inheritance. It was her provision. It was possibly a pension, her security, especially in a time where women were reliant on men or else left destitute. This decision I may say, I think, is even more than the decision of the widow's might. Because although she gave everything, this was complete abandonment. This meant no going back. No turning back. This decision was not just going to impact her, but it would impact family members and any dependents. This was utter foolishness in men's eyes. To give at this level, what on earth was she thinking? To give without counting the cost. But Mary recognised that Jesus was worth it and that this was the time to do it. Which seemed a bit strange because it wasn't a great feast, it wasn't an amazing celebration, it wasn't a big party, it was a simple meal with friends. Mary displayed an act of worship without counting the cost. This is typically what an alabaster jar would have looked like. Abandoned worship. Often we hear only about Martha, don't we? Martha was the worker and Mary was the worshipper. But you know, that was really unfair to Mary. Mary worked. The phrase used in one translation by Martha was that Mary had abandoned her. 
Well, if Mary had abandoned her, then that meant that Mary was actually helping and just chose to leave. It didn't mean that she wasn't helping at all. So can you see there's a balance between the fact that Mary worked, but she worshipped. Mary helped prepare the meal, but then she was incredibly bold for those times. She wanted to listen to Jesus. There were separate areas in, that t- in those times for men and for women. The men would gather in one room, and then what would happen is the women would gather in kind of like a kitchen, outer area, sort of uh, where they would prepare the meal, and they would, and never the twain would mix. I know when I went to uh, India, that's the same in a congregation. You would have men on the one side, irrelevant of whether you're married, and women on the other side. It's quite unusual. I was kind of like, hmm. So it's different culture and different times. That was what would have happened. So for Mary to actually decide to want to listen to his teaching, she went and sat at his feet. Mary was servant-hearted. She served and then listened. Or did she listen and then serve? In Luke chapter 10, it talks a little bit more where we go to the the story of Mary and Martha. So we've got a bit of history about these two. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with serving and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Mary understood. Mary got it. She sat at the feet of Jesus and experienced liberty from all the things that people had placed upon her from when she was a child to when she was grown the way she perceived herself against other people and their characteristics, she had a revelation at his feet. I'm going to read a little portion of a book that I've been reading in preparation for this. And this is from Mary's perspective. I wonder whether this applies to you. A monster I did not know clung to my shoulders my whole life. It whispered, never be enough. Your sins disqualify you from serving God. You do not possess the hospitality so valued in your sister or the conversational beauty of your brother or the holiness of your God, of your father or the sacrificial nature of your mother. You are an outsider, the thinker, the different one. 
you're fit for nothing but mulling over matters of the heart. Until that moment at the rabbi's feet, I had not realized that the voice in my head was not the voice of God. What voice do you listen to? This is what Mary understood and grasped from Jesus. Teacher, a lasting eternal hope. He breathes the words of life that obliterate shame and that feeling of smallness. My heart is deeply warmed, changed, hopeful. And I know, I know Jesus is the Messiah that we've been longing for. I give my life to follow this Son of Man, Son of God, this Prince of Life. Mary boldly sat at Jesus' feet. In Jewish custom, it meant that she was taking the place of a disciple, which was not acceptable for a woman in those times. But Jesus' words from Luke chapter 10 said, Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Mary understood Jesus and his kingdom. And that's why she served the way that she did, with such abandonment. Mary's actions would not have been just or socially, they were, they were socially awkward, wasn't just socially awkward, but it bordered on a fence to boldly walk through the room from having prepared to deciding to just sit at Jesus' feet. But Mary was hungry for Jesus and his teachings. Mary wanted more. Obeying the customs and traditions of the day, she wanted more than any of that. Intuitively, she knew that Jesus would not be cross with her and that her humility was such that she didn't even defend herself. She valued humility, the power of brokenness, and willingly submitted to the hand of God. She knew Jesus and she knew She knew that although historians would try and say that her touching his feet and bathing his feet, wiping it with her hair, historians have suggested that it, in a seedy way that it wasn't, it wasn't good and it wasn't a healthy relationship. She, she didn't give two hoots about that. She understood Jesus as her redeemer. And so she was so thankful. She wanted to stop and listen to him. Because who she was was sustained by him and by his kingdom. Mary poured the costly perfume 
on Jesus' head and then on his feet. And in these times, that was how a king was anointed. It was also how a corpse was prepared for burial. Mary did this, taking up the position of a disciple and prophet, anointing the king of kings. Her timing was unbelievable. This was done six nights before Jesus' death. She didn't know, but she followed the leading of the Holy Spirit and she gave everything. Her inheritance, remember. And you and I, thousands of years on, know of what this woman gave. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in death. Life just isn't worth anything without Christ. He is our all. And he sustains everything. I understand Mary. I give my life to follow. Everything I believe in, I surrender. The alabaster jar was broken in the house and the aroma, the smell, filled the house. You know, it's one of those things where Scientists say that smells are one of the most important things to trigger memory. And that when you have a smell, all of a sudden, we know that it happens with tunes as well, don't we? We can hear a tune on the CD or the radio and it takes you back to a time specifically in your life. But smells even more. Smells trigger memory. And this jar was broken, which meant it couldn't be repaired. The deed was done. The smell and the aroma filled the house. Just like us. We are vessels on earth. And we need to be broken in order that we can be poured out. And when we're broken... We can multiply his life in us and feed others. And when we're broken, the scent of Jesus can be enjoyed by those 
that we touch. Ask yourself, is there something that you could waste upon Jesus? I'm not suggesting the surplus. That's why I said it's not the widow's might. Mary gives more than that. She gives not only her present, but she gives her past and she gives her future and any hope of what she may accomplish. Now, I understand that we all have dreams and plans. But what does Jesus want from us? We need to be prepared for ourselves and for our kids to ruin their lives for Jesus. The disciples did. They were fishermen, tax collectors, doctors, tent makers. Surrender. Surrender your plans. But with the confidence that your king, not my king, not her king, not his king, but your king, your personal saviour, will never abandon you. We are his and everything we have been saved from is for him. We are slaves for him. And yet we are free. Whatever we do, however many hours we give, no matter what the sacrifice, irrelevant what the measure is compared to someone else, it matters not. Because... All of it is for King Jesus. Stop serving your own plans and giving him what is left. Abandon everything to follow him. That's what happened when he called the disciples. We used to entertain a lot as a family at home and... Uh, uh, we'd have people come over for Sunday lunch and a whole host of stuff. And my mum would make apple pies. Who makes apple pies here? Anyone make apple pie? Oh, they're few and it's few and far between. They're diminishing. Who buys apple pies from Auntie Bessie's? Mm, yes. Okay, that's all right. Okay, so my mum used to make apple pies. Now, for anyone that's... Well, I'm going to have to explain now if you, if you don't make apple pies. When you make your pastry or if you buy your ready-made pastry, and put it in your dish. You have to, you put it in the dish, and then you take off the excess, don't you? Oh, you are familiar, okay. And you always, always seem to have a bit left over, do you not? See, if you made mince pies as well, you always have a ball left over, don't you? And you go like that, what am I gonna do with that then? And there's some, th some of you will automatically throw it in the bin, those others of us, like my mother, see Judith looking at me going, no, you don't throw it in the bin. Then uh, you have a little dish, you have a ball of pastry that you decide what to do with. Now, in my house, what happened was we would come along and we would uh, make it into some weird shaped 
It wasn't a circle. It was some weird shape of a dish. And then uh, it would go on a dish with a bit of jam in it, jam tart, of a weird shaped jam tart thing. Anyone ever done that? Yes. <laughs> now, when the people came round for lunch, we didn't serve the weird shaped jam tart, I might add. We served the beautiful apple pie that my mother had made. Uh, and the jam tart get kept in the back kitchen and uh, we probably had that for uh, Sunday too. I say this with the greatest respect. Don't give God your odd-shaped jam tart. Some of you perhaps haven't grasped that. And if you haven't, then ask him to help you. He doesn't want what's left. I'm really sorry, and I don't mean to be rude, but he doesn't want what's left. He wants your past, your present. He wants your future. He wants your dreams and your hopes. He wants your alabaster jar. Jesus allowed Mary to anoint his head and his feet. How many people here would be happy for me to wash their feet in public? Now, I know a lot of people go, oh, not my feet. Oh, I don't want you to get my feet out. I don't mind anything, but no, don't get my feet out. People have got feet at foot aversion, haven't they? Some people are quite confident, but not everybody. But for Jesus... I mean, it would have felt a, bit, a little bit weird, a bit intimate. But Jesus wasn't tense. He wasn't worked up about it. He was relaxed and able to enjoy it. This demonstrates that we need to serve others and at other times let others serve us. It's a two-way thing. Mary did this for Jesus. And if you remember, three chapters later, Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. Often you can pour your broken life out for Jesus on others. And often other Christians can be the ones that say, don't waste your time or yourself. And if I'm honest, as I've been preparing this, I've felt really challenged, especially from a pastoral point of view. Because sometimes when I've been concerned for someone who might be tired or worn out, I've said those words. And you know what? It's actually the wrong way to say it. Those of you that pour your lives out and give and serve, thank you. But you might need permission to stop for a while to pause on the mountain, perhaps for a sleep or a rest, or for some food or nutrition. But don't stop altogether, because you are the gift of Christ to our world. And without you, the body is incomplete.
The price of the alabaster jar was approximately one year's salary, a lot of money, 300 denarii. Judas was one, of the one to criticize, but why? He would promise to betray Jesus for just 30 pieces of silver. 300 is 10 times that amount. Perhaps God is showing us that although everything in life we put monetary value on, a year's salary for any of us is way beyond what we could even consider. It's beyond what we can manage. In the same way, when asked about forgiveness and asked, should it be seven times? And Jesus said, it should be 77 times. And he said 77 because he was expecting us to lose count, wasn't he? But you can't keep count. Well, that's number 67. So you'd lose count. So you forgive over and over and over. And the same is true with giving and serving your king. You never pay your way. Put your feet up and think, I'm done. I've paid an amount and now I just coast along in service to others and we do everything. We do everything as if we do it unto him. Each time our attitude is challenged and we're sat at Jesus' feet pouring out our tears and oil upon his feet. It says in Matthew 25, For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to see me. The righteous man will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick, or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it as though you did it to me. You need never defend yourself or stick up for yourself, which is opposite to the world that, that we live in. We're raising a generation to stand up for themselves and defend themselves and fight. To refuse to do something that you may consider below you. There are no levels. Be very careful. Because God's kingdom is topsy-turvy. Whoever is first shall be last. And whoever is last shall be first. Not my words, but his. So, we've said that, he rec that about recognition. Our second point was worship. My final point, the Saviour's response. The Saviour's response was, leave her alone. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. 
whatever it is that you do, whatever and however you worship and serve, don't stop. If you have stopped, why? Why would you withhold yourself? I know it's hard, and I know it can be painful, but it's not for any of it's not for any of you that I would do it for. The stuff I do, don't get me wrong, you're great and I love you. But you know what? I don't do anything that I do for you. Do you get what I mean? And there are times where you get wounded and you get hurt and people do things that they shouldn't do, but do you know what? I don't do it for you anyway. I do it for the king. And when you have that perspective, it changes everything. If you haven't started, then why haven't you? How can you live life without the King of Kings, without Jesus? You need a revelation and you need to give him your all and you need to stop making excuses and stop giving him odd-shaped tarts of jam <laughs> and serve him first. And you know what? Everything else will fall into place. Your children will be looked after. Everything else. Serve him first. And he will ensure that you are cared for. Understand that you need to give him your all. And you need to do it unto him. Every sacrifice we make Every quiet, unseen act of love is chronicled by our Saviour. For that day, when our deeds will be made known in the next life, you may struggle today wondering if all your quiet serving means anything in this splashy, flashy world. You may be overlooked. There are days when you feel unnoticed, an outcast to the trendy crowd, Take courage in your service. God sees you. He does. He is the great noticer. So waste your hearts for his sake. Anything less is a real waste. I'm going to ask the team to come. We're going to take a moment. We're just going to pause. What's your, have you given God your alabaster jar? Or have you just been giving him jam tarts? I want to give an opportunity for response.
don't mean it make a job for me, but it does for you. So it makes no difference whether anyone responds or whether they don't respond for me because I've done my job and I serve the king. But there are folks and you're not sure whether you are in or out. Am I a Christian or am I not? Have I made a choice or have I not? And for you today... Week five. Next week we're going. We're talking about the servant king. We're approaching Easter, the most significant time for Jesus and his kingdom, and what he did for you. Your Jesus died on the cross for you, and he rose from the dead. Because he wants you to have a relationship with him. And if you were the only person that had done wrong and made a mistake, the only one out of the whole of this world, covering every nation in this world, he would have done it for you. And so from that opportunity, it gives you a chance to say yes. I want Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I want him to be King of all. I'm going to say a prayer and you can repeat it after me in your head. Lord Jesus, I recognise you as Saviour. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I invite you into my life to be my Lord and Saviour. Help me to live the Jesus life. And while we're just in this point, I know that there are others that you have been giving him odd-shaped jam tarts. And God's calling you to find out the alabaster jar. But it's not easy because it's everything. And the risks are really, really big. The risks of what people think. The risks of, but this is where I'm heading. And if I do it, then I might not get there. The risks of everything. But God's saying, you need to break your alabaster jar and give it to me. We're going to sing the first start, first two verses of this hymn. And whether it's a first time 
whether it's a, Lord, I'm coming back to you, whether it's a, I'm moving from one level to the next level where I'm going to give my alabaster jar. If that's something for you, then you stand whilst we're singing the first two verses. We've got two verses, okay? And I know it's a big thing, but this is for you. And then we're going to pause and we're going to pray and then we're going to finish the song, okay? Lead us, please. Just as I am without one plea, for those that are standing that have chosen to be as bold as Mary and have chosen to come and sit at your feet and break their alabaster jar my God I pray Holy Spirit that as we sing the next part of the song that you would flood them with, with your presence. My God, I pray that you will pour out your goodness upon them. May they know that what they have done is they have come to a point where they have recognized that they need to move forward and that they need to abandon themselves to you in service. Lord, I pray that you pour out your blessing. We ask it in your mighty name. Amen. Just as I am and waiting not to
shall we all stand? I come broken to be mended. I come wounded to be healed. I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty to be filled. I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I welcome with open arms, praise God, just I can 